Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. All right, this morning we are going to dive back into Galatians, and uh, we're going to talk about the proof of one. Uh, if, if, you, if you haven't read Galatians, I encourage you to do so. It's a great book. It really kind of captures everything. It's really this journey that, that, that Paul, is. he's writing these Galatians, they're new to the faith. They're new to being a Christian. They don't totally know what that means. They're living in a day and age where there are many who are confusing the fellowship. They're, they're coming in and saying that, no, wait a minute, you've got to first become a Jew, and then you can become uh, a Christian. Like, there's a process here, and you've got to be under certain guidelines and principles and celebrations and all of these different things to earn your way in, you know, and Paul's writing these guys and he's saying, no, it's in fact completely different than anything you can possibly imagine. And in fact, last week I used the strong language that Paul himself, of course, used, and he said, don't be stupid, don't act foolishly, right? That word translates into that word for us, right? Don't do something that's so crazy. Like if you really think about it, Galatians, he says, you guys never had the law. He goes, you guys were not uh, followers of this, and then yet you believe that you're being perfected by it now? Like, you, you've gained the spirit. You've gained this brand new life that you and I, all of us in 21st century America, sit here and sing about, and we know in a whole way that these guys were wrestling with and learning and figuring out, we benefit from their experience. And how many of y'all are happy we weren't living during these times? I, I am thankful to be here today. But this, this promise, this, this thing that you and I live by is a promise of God. God's never going to break his promise. I, I know you and I, we, we mean well sometimes. We say something. Uh, I, I stood somebody up recently, and that's like by, by far like the worst thing for me. Like I hate that. I, I gave somebody my word I was going to be there, and then I wasn't there. You know, And the Lord will never do that. He'll never stand you up. He'll never break his promise. And so what he's guaranteed to you is good forever. And that is this brand new life that you and I have that Scripture encourages us to put on, to see it. Do you ever just stand in front of the mirror and say, man, I look good. This makes me look good, you know? I had someone today say, you look thinner. I'm like, thank you, shirt. That's awesome, you know? <laughs> like, that's, that's how it looks, like to put it on, to put Jesus on and say, wait a minute. I look good regardless of how I feel on the inside. No, faith brought this righteousness, this righteousness apart from the law. So you're never needing to go back to the law to get righteous again. That, that process doesn't even make any sense. The righteousness we have is by faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what does that mean if you have faith? It's impossible to not please God. It's impossible for you to not be pleasing to God. Now, he loves you, and he loves everything that he sees. Let me ask you something. What, what, was, what was Adam and Eve justified by? You know, they walked with God. They were righteous. Well, what, what did they do? Well, they believed by what? Faith. They walked by faith. They were persuaded to walk with God, and they didn't have a hard time with it, really. It was quite simple until something happened, and they ate of this tree. And so often we think it's the moment that, like, Eve bit into the fruit, that that was the moment everything changed. No, it happened before that. It happened before whenever you did something, right? It started with a thought. started somewhere in the background process of your mind where you believed something that wasn't true. Eve believed something that wasn't true. She believed that there was a loss of intimacy with God. She believed that God was hiding something, keeping something. 
you don't want me to know something, you know. And so what did we do? Well, we, we went ahead and sought a righteousness of our own, <laughs> a self-sufficient righteousness, a righteousness that said that, God, look at me. Aren't you proud at me? Look how I don't even need you. Look how I can stand on my own. And that's not at all what God intended for you or for me. It may be what you hope for your children, that they'll grow up and get out, but God never wanted that. You know, he, he wanted you to grow up and stay. <laughs> he wanted you to always be joined with him, and yet we sought this self-sufficient nightmare. <laughs> Look, the only life that you can possibly see that has any kind of value is seen through the lens of grace. It's seen through that which God has given you and for me, where God does it all. What does the Bible say? That the life that we live is faith in who? Him. It's faith in what he has done, because he is faithful even when we are not. He, he is perfect when we don't look very perfect. And that life, Paul says, Galatians 2.20 says, that, that was our life now. He's given us his life. Don't you remember seeing Jesus on the cross? You know, Easter's coming up, and we'll, we'll celebrate this, this, this death and resurrection thing. Oh, yeah, and we're, we're good with seeing Jesus there, but do you see yourself there? Because you are. You were on the cross with him. He saw you 2,000 years ago. Javen, I, I feel like I've let God down. How? <laughs> he saw you. He saw you before you saw you. He saw you before you ever did anything. And he took all of that upon himself and said, yeah, be on the cross with me so that you can come out of that cave with me. As we sang this morning, we sung this morning, I ran out of that grave, right? And that's the truth. And that's the truth every single day. And this all happened because... We are sanctified. We are holy, we talked about. You know, somebody this week, he said uh, to me, he says, well, progressive sanctification, Javen, this idea that you're becoming holy over time, the idea really is, is that God is perfecting your soul. He's making your soul trust him more and all of this kind of stuff. There are so many ideas about what this idea of sanctification is, and I want to convince you again this morning that, that, that you are sanctified. You are in him. Like, that's, that was the whole idea of the death and the resurrection thing that you were joined into, is that you were sanctified or set apart in the same exact way that he is. Remember this as we get into this this morning, this, this idea of being one, this proof of being one. Just remember that this is something God did fully, totally. He clothed you in it. He sanctified you, but yet there is a maturing, isn't there? There's a maturity that we all go through. That you, you, uh, Paul's explaining it. He's explaining maturity. He's saying, listen, you guys don't get it. You're foolish. Sometimes you look at your kids, right, and you go like, <laughs> why? Like, I gave you these toys, and you're fighting? I don't understand, you know? Foolish, right? It's the same kind of thing. There's a maturing process that has to, ha has to happen. But you have become righteous or clothed with Christ. And, and this is so very important to understand is that you have become one with God. Like, I'm telling you, we don't get what that fully means. We don't fully hear it. But Jesus is going to say this. He's going to say that the way him and the Father are, are one. And he's going to say that that oneness brought a glory that was un, uh, unseen before then. That nobody had ever seen a glory or a magnificence or a brilliance or an importance than, than like this than ever before. Like this was something brand new of just being together, being clothed in Christ. This idea of oneness is, is, is the idea. All right, think about this. What, what clothes did Adam and Eve have on? <laughs> Somebody laughed. Javen, you don't read the Bible. They were naked, you know. <laughs> that was the whole thing, you know. No, they weren't naked, right? They, yes, they were naked physically, but they were clothed. 
What were they clothed in? They were clothed in glory or in grace. Listen, this word glory, okay, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people, okay? This word glory, it means brilliance, yes, it's, a br- it's bright, it's magnificence, right? It's, it's how much value you've attached to somebody. But this word glory also means grace. I know, you think I make it up, but you can Google it. It means grace, And here's the crazy part is that Adam and Eve, although they were physically walking around with no clothes on, they were innocent. Why? Because they were clothed in his grace. They were clothed in his glory. They walked with him. And then when they made this mistake, they traded this glory for their own glory. And what they really traded away was being one with God. This idea of being joined with him where glory is found, where life is found. They traded that away. And the crazy part is, when Jesus would show up, when he would come back on the scene, when he would bring glory back to the earth, well, in John 17, he actually would pray that, Father, will you give them the glory again? Will you take the glory that you've given me, the brilliance, the magnificence, all that I am worth, will you take that and clothe them in it as well? And you're going to see that today in Scripture. But this new thing that he did where we were sanctified, where we were set apart for him, was based on a new covenant, which you talked about. It's based on a a new priesthood. And it's based off of this idea of perfect unity. In other words, within God, there's never any disagreement. There's never any moment where the Father and the Spirit and Jesus are all like, hold on, we've got to have a meeting. Like, we're all on different pages here. Like, that never happens. In fact, when they came to make the covenant, the Bible says there was no need for a mediator. There was no need for somebody to, okay, you promise and you promise, and I was here to verify all of that. No, they promised to themselves. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, Dad, I promise. Well, son, you never lie. And you know, okay, that sounds good. And then they just made the deal. They said, it sounds great. We're in full agreement. We are one. And Jesus said that this glory that would be shown through that would be greater than the giving of the law. The giving of the law came with some glory. Moses had to wear a veil, if you remember. Uh, There was the glory of creation itself. There was the glory of, or magnificence, or the brilliance of all of the things that God has done. And yet, Scripture says that before Jesus came and revealed this oneness with the Father, what you and I knew as glory was nothing. It was nothing in comparison to this idea, this idea of being One. Look at what Jesus says. He says this, eternal life is knowing you, Father. Think about that for just a moment. Eternal life. (laughs) I don't know. Frame it this way. You look at your own life right now. Think about normal life. Well, what is normal life about? Well, it's about a lot of different things in this room, right? We can make it about a lot of different things. Eternal life, what persists beyond all of this world and its trouble, what persists into eternity is knowing the Father. It sounds so simple. It's relationship with God. You already have it. Many of you already have everything that will ever matter. You have it right now. You have eternal life because you know the Father. You are one with God. In fact, the Bible says something so staggeringly mind-blowing that you have become a child of God. You were born of God. Woo! I don't know how you wake up on Monday morning. I don't, know, I don't know if it's a good day or if it's a bad day or whatever it is, but listen, based off of just that alone, Jesus said that that would be the proof that the world would see and go, the Father sent Jesus. I'm positive because look at this glory. Look at how these people are one with God. 
Like this was a whole new thing. This was a whole new thing that he was telling the Galatians. He's saying, look, you guys don't know the Father. You guys are splitting yourselves up. You're breaking yourselves up into all kinds of factions and groups and based off of your opinions and what your experiences have been, and you're breaking each other all up. And he says, you don't understand what's going to demonstrate Jesus to the world is not going to be your theology. It's not going to be you sitting up and preaching a great message and everybody believes. He goes, no, what's going to cause the world to believe is they will see your oneness. They will see the glory on you because they will see that you are with the Father and you have the love of the Father in you. He says, this is how we're going to, you know, we're going to fight our battles. This is how we're going to share the gospel is <laughs> by being one with the Father. Let's read this together. Being clothed with him is the idea. Galatians 3, 27 through 29. We're going to close out Galatians 3 today. For all of you, who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Stop there and just think about that for a second. The person sitting next to you was clothed in the very thing you were clothed in. Just think about it. We're all clothed in Christ to the point that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, you're you're one of Abraham's descendants, an heir according to the promise. Oh, man, this is better than anything. Galatians, Gentiles, Judaizers, Jews, everybody. Listen, all of you have become, by faith, children of God. The thing that was promised to Abraham, that some of you had no way into. You had no way to become a child of Abraham. You had no way to inherit the promise. No way except faith. And faith is coming now. Everyone can be clothed in him. Everybody can believe and receive this promise and be joined to him. Look, let me switch gears for just a moment. We're living in what some are calling the most divisive time in history, right? This is the most divided time in history. Just turn on the news, turn on any, anything, and you're like, man, can we agree on anything? We seem like we just want to argue about every little thing. And so some have said it's the most divided time in history. Well, let me... Let me pull that back just a little bit. If you will just study history, okay, and look even just in the past 100 to 200 years, you will see that there have been way more divisive times, way more divided times in history. So take a deep breath. We're not living the most divided time in history. In fact, as you will see in just a few minutes, Jesus lived in the most divided time, divisive time of all history. However, there are some real things that we have to talk about as a people. We are living in a day and age where there are real subjects, real issues, real things to talk about. All of our experiences in this room can be very different. I've said it before. Life is not equally unfair to everyone. <laughs> oh, life is unfair to everybody and all of that, but to some, it is far worse. If you can't see that, you need to get out of your house a little bit. Because <laughs> there are many people sitting right around you that are going through things that are just much harder than what you are. And this idea of being one is the answer. This idea of being together as a body, being clothed in him, is the key. Look, we're living in a time where I can mention the name Trump, and half of this room probably will just, you know. And I can mention the word Obama, and half of this room is going to go, you know, don't, don't mention that guy, you know. And we're living in these times where we're divided up by things that, in, in my opinion, are just silly. It's, it's, it would be what Paul would say, this is stupid. Like, listen, listen, political parties go away. <laughs> you 
guys can just look through history. There's all kind. Nobody here is wearing a wig, you know. Like, th- 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 there's, there's a group that did that, you know. Uh, political parties go away, okay. Presidents go away. Kings go away. Uh, all of these things cycle in and out. Uh, there's times where, where one group of people will feel celebrated and then the, they won't feel celebrated. There's all kinds of things throughout history that will happen. But the key for all of us here is that we stay engaged together. That we stay united as one. That we do not allow things like politics and all of these things to divide us up. That is crazy. <laughs> no offense. It's crazy. Because what we have represents the answer to every problem that's out there. Racism, sexism, uh, Trump himself, whatever whatever you think the problem is, the gospel is the answer. The good news of what Jesus did is the answer. And the more and more and more we as a people come together and say, listen, the idea is not that we agree on everything. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to agree with you on most of the things you probably believe. Like, we all have opinions. But the idea is not that we agree on everything, but that in a room like this, we can all disagree and also say we are one. We are absolutely one because of Jesus, because we are clothed in him. Amen. This is where we live. So, (laughs) this is why it's important that we understand that we are sanctified. God didn't sanctify you in your opinion. God sanctified you in the truth. And you and I both share that common bond of unity to where we should be able to have discussion amongst these ourselves. Look, let me say one other thing. I, I disagree with some of the things that I was taught growing up. And one of those things was is that you should never talk about religion and politics. You know, and I, I was like, okay, sure. You know, and you get in a room and somebody mentions something and you go, okay, just be quiet. Back out slowly, you know. I don't know what to do here, you know. All right, in some cases, that is the best thing you can do, okay? Sometimes you just need to back out slowly and be like, this is going to get nuts, I'm out, you know? Jesus. (laughs) And then sometimes, right, we can engage each other if there is relationship, okay? So let me give you some encouragement. Here's how you know if if should I I engage in this or is there enough maturity to where I can engage in a conversation where Jesus is still at the the center, right? Let me give you just a couple of things uh, as we are being mature believers, all right, well, think about this. Did, this. did this inroad that you're in on, did it start off with fear? Oh, man, 99% of the time you're afraid of something. That's why you're all angsty about something. It's because you're afraid. And what does fear do but it brings what? Speculation. Oh, it, fear causes you not to want to go to somebody and say, hey, what's your life experience like? I want to hear from you. No, it causes you instead to frame them up and go, well, I can just speculate, and I probably know what's going on there, and I, I can, I, I'm too afraid. Right? Fear is involved. It causes speculation. It leads you to mistrust. I don't, I don't know if I can trust this person. It breaks the relationship down. All right, now imagine this instead. You and I have the gospel. We have this thing called love. It means that when I come and talk with you, before I even know what you believe, what you agree with me on, none of that matters. I come in with it with love first, not fear. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of what you believe. I'm not afraid if you disagree with me. No, I'm coming in with love. I love you. Now, from that place of love, you can have uh, questions. You can ask questions. Hey, how did you come to that? You want to vote for him? Really? Okay, how did, <laughs> that's neat. How, how did you come to that conclusion? You know, we can talk about this. Why? I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to ask you questions. I want to know more. And as you ask questions to people, what happens is you build trust. You build relationship. And suddenly you can go, well, you know what? I disagree with you, but you'll never have to think that I don't care about you because we absolutely can have conversation. 
And so we can operate out of love as believers and talk about tough things, even in what some would consider a very divisive time. Now look, let me show you what a divided time really looked like. In this time that Paul is writing to the Galatians, you understand, and I've told you before, you had people like the zealots. These guys were just ready to chop anybody who was Roman, okay? Like they had swords, they were ready. You had nationalists, okay? Israel first, like Rome, get out of here. Like we're ready to fight, all right? And Jesus not only picked a zealot for his team, <laughs> Simon the zealot, he picked a nationalist, he picked a nobleman, he picked fishermen, and he picked a thief, <laughs> Straight up pick the thief. Judas, come steal from me. He says in scripture, he's always got his hand in the money jar, you know, the money, the money bag. And Jesus said, yeah, this is my team. This is the group of people completely divided in their ideas. Their ideologies were nowhere near the same, okay? One guy is ready to kill people. One guy is noble and he just has lots of money. One guy has got his hand in his back pocket. I mean, it's, it's like this whole group is totally crazy. It's totally different, diverse, if you will. And not only that, but think about what Jesus did. He worked with women. Do you understand how offensive that was? Everyone's looking at him like, why are you hanging out with all? You know, they're a lower class, you know. I mean, Jesus is going, no, they're not. No, look, at, I'm going to empower them. I'm going to put them in ministry, he even did. He, 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 he absolutely changed the script on this whole thing. The slave, he says, oh, well, he's free now. <laughs> that, that whole thing's changing. He changed everything. He even looked at a nation of people that it was okay to be racist against. <laughs> you and I don't know these times. It was okay to hate on the Gentiles. It was okay to consider them dogs. And he said, come on in. <laughs> You're equally as valued as the Jews. You're equally as valued as every person I've ever thought of. Jesus changed everything. The gospel neutralized all of these arguments and demonstrated to us that the basis of love will change an entire society, as they all saw, as they all got to experience. It comes from this idea, and this is where I'm going to land this thing, is we're going to work through John 17 for a moment, where Jesus prays this prayer of oneness, of unity, of sanctification, is what it is. And he says this, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you, there's this word, on earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. So he says, Father, glorify me together with yourself. In other words, clothe me in your grace. Walk with me to the cross. No, the Father didn't abandon Jesus. The Bible says that he was in Christ reconciling the world. No, he, he walked, he clothed Jesus in glory as Jesus was going to the most non-glorious spot you could possibly go. He's going to a cross, and he's covered in grace. He's covered in glory. And Jesus is saying, look, this is the mission that I would reveal you. He says, they've come to know that everything you've given me is from you. They received the words that you gave me, that I came from you. It's all about you, one, one. It's all about you. Paul would say it this way in Romans. He'd say, look, Moses writes, uh, Romans 10 verse 5, Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness based on the law will live by that righteousness, but the righteousness based on faith says, says this, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. Look, <laughs> He's saying, God's not far from you. 
Now, you have this idea that, that, that the Father is far from you. That when you're going through something, you're suffering through a circumstance, that God is far from you. And he says, no, that's not how God is at all. In fact, he's in your mouth. He's in your heart. Why? Well, he continues. He says, because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Why does God put himself so intimately close to you? So that you can say back to him the very thing he's saying to your heart. The very thing he's putting in your mouth. And what is he saying to you? Believe me. Believe in me. Grace. And you say back to God, I believe in you. Why? Why can you even say that? Because he put himself in your mouth. He put himself in your heart so that you could repeat back to him by faith the very thing that he placed inside of you. Why? Because he wanted you saved. Because whoever believes in him, Paul says, will not be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, think about that person at your job. Think about the person in your neighborhood, that person that drives you crazy. Even them. (laughs) For anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Anyone who calls on his name will be joined into a relationship of oneness with him. Covered in his glory, even that person you're thinking about. And so he says this, he goes, well, how in the world can that take place if no one ever goes and tells them? And so blessed are all of you. Blessed are every person who goes and shares good news with somebody else. Jesus continues in John 17. Father, I come to you. These things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. In other words, I'm saying this out loud. Father, it's kind of weird that I'm saying all this out loud, really. But I'm just doing this so that they can hear me and be tied in and experience this joy. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Will you please underline that, bold it, highlight it, tear it out of the Bible and post it on your wall. Don't do that. You're ruining your Bible. But, but, but just put this somewhere important. This is not to be used to encourage you to behave better. <laughs> you're not of the world. Stop it. That's not what this verse is saying. No, he's saying you're sanctified. You, you aren't of this world. <laughs> Would you believe that already? <laughs> this is not your home. But Javen, I want to fight for, I want to fight. What are we fighting for? <laughs> this is not my home. This is not my world. I'm not of this place. I can come and bring into this world what this world needs. You know, you can hear somebody fighting about something. You can come in and say, well, I got love. Y'all need love. <laughs> yeah, it's always needed. You've been sanctified. You're not of this world even as he is not of the world because he is sanctified. So by the way, trying to become more like Jesus, what does that even mean? You can't be. <laughs> you can try to behave more like Jesus or something and become a fisherman. I don't know. But like you can't, you can't become more like him because it's his life in you. And so Jesus continues. He says, listen, I, I don't ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Guys, how important is it that we don't allow things to break us apart? Well, uh, the world will believe that the Father sent the Son based on it. <laughs> it's pretty important. And the cool part is, is that Jesus does all the hard work. He, he did all the hard work. 
Throw yourself onto him, will you? Throw your life onto his and, and receive that life if you haven't. And then believe it. Like, th- this is where we walk. Father, I'm in you and you're in me and, and, I, and we're all in each other. Like, this is how things actually are. close with this Romans 8 so then brothers we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh all right maybe you're in the room today and you're like Javen I I hear what you're having to say but let me tell you something I'm looking at our country I'm looking at all this stuff going on and I'm really freaking out man I'm freaking out let me give you some really really good news So then, brothers, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. What are you you really worried about? That's your flesh. That's that's this thing, this spongy thing that's got experiences in it and and thoughts and opinions. (laughs) I'm not under obligation to live that way. I don't have to live that way. Oh, listen, you can turn on the news, and and, and the news is always going to do a great job of just churning out fear. Like, that's how they keep you hooked. You know, look at all this stuff to be afraid of. Tune in next week. I can look at all those things and go, no, there's some real issues that we need to deal with. And yet, I have hope. Coronavirus, whatever. (laughs) I got Jesus, man. I'm good. My life is his. If I die, my life is his. Like, I I don't have the fear (laughs) of whatever they're pumping out. No, I'm not under obligation to the flesh. And he says, he continues, and he goes, look, if you're living that way, you, you need to die. <laughs> you must not be a believer. You, you must not have your eyes set on what's real. You must not see that you're clothed in Christ. You, you must have anxieties and fears based off of this planet, so die to it. Because if you walk by the Spirit, he says, you, you, you're put to death all the deeds of the body. You live. For all who are being led by the Spirit are sons of God. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs of God, heirs with Christ, oh, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. You ever wonder why you feel so strange on this planet? You ever wonder why you sit around and you go, I don't know, Javen, they seem pretty mad about that, and they seem pretty mad about that, and, and why, do I, why do I feel different? Why are you encouraging me to walk differently? Because you are. <laughs> we don't live in the same way. We don't. That's what the world needs. The world needs not more of the same. The world doesn't need a whole room full of Republicans. That's not like church, right? The, the world doesn't need that. The world needs a bunch of believers. The world needs a bunch of people that say, yeah, we disagree on all kinds of stuff, and that's why we're different than the world. The world disagrees and they split up. The, the church disagrees and we come together. Like, that's, that's us. That's who we are. And Paul is trying to explain this to the Galatians that were dividing themselves up by classes. I'm a Jew. He's a Gentile. I'm a man. She's a woman. You know, this is how they were doing things. And Paul says, what if instead you looked at that guy and said, oh, that guy's a child of God. Suddenly the Jew went to the Gentile and said, hey, what's your experience like? What's, what's living on this planet like for you? How can, I, how can I help? Suddenly the man went to the woman and said, oh, wait, if you're my sister, 
Well, I don't want to treat you as less than. You're an equal to me. Okay. Even Paul writes a slave owner and says, what if, instead of looking at this guy as your slave, what if you saw him as your brother? How would that change things? And Paul went ahead and told him, you're not going to be able to see him as a slave anymore because he's just like you. He's free just like you. God, in his economy, has made us all one with him. And that's where the hope is found. That's where the glory is found. And that's what you and I get to show off to the entire world. We're one with the Father, not based on our similarities, but based off of the meshing of all differences. We're one. Let's not let anything, anything break that up. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you so much. Lord, you... You showed us what true life really looks like. It looks like being one with the Father. Lord, that glory, that magnificence, that grace that we are clothed in, I pray will cause healing in our country. I pray will cause healing amongst all racial division, all sexism, all this different stuff, Lord, all of these issues, Lord. Will your grace, will your gospel, Lord, create healing in these issues? Lord, we're a people that want to come together. We're a people that want to walk together. Will you help us? Lord, we're humans. We mess everything up sometimes. We have your life in us, and so there's a guarantee that you will keep us going the right way. So we keep our focus on you, our eyes are on you, and we celebrate you together.